Hi. Hi. Birthday, 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 birthday. Do you birthday what I birthday? It's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, faggot. HBF. Thank you so much. I feel like a faggot on its birthday. Oh my god. You know what I mean? You look like a fucking gay cupcake. Too. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like frosted and sparkled and a little bit wider at the bottom. I know. I'm I'm sad. We wanted to get you more frosted today. I know. The- I know I promised you a big birthday um bukkake extravaganza but you know what maybe next year <laughs> listen listen Look. we have 24 more hours okay um, there's right. no there's no telling what happens tonight right. We're listeners thinking, don't worry i'm taking elliot out on the town tonight yeah. and i'm gonna get him frosted well, you never know um you never know what's gonna happen i think we might have some flyers that we put up <laughs> <laughs> maybe i should have like a like a walking advertisement on my back we got a few bites through emails like yeah we, we did some, some some nibbles. I think we'll even get more nibbles um, in person. I we're so we're having cute birthday mimosas. Yes, as you do because it's a daytime recording again, which we're not used to or good at. No, it's noon and the sun's out, and it's very <laughs> weird. Um, I don't feel like I'm like safely hidden by the nighttime. You know, no, what I mean? no definitely not <laughs> by the shroud of darkness exactly. where I usually like to find myself. But I'm out in the open and it's scary. I know it is scary, but 2018 is all about living through your fears. It's about fucking being 24. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know. Um, 24 is when I turned 24, I started being like, oh fuck. Yeah. I, that was the age when I was like, oh okay, wait, hold on, Father Time. Yeah, I know. I'm already a little bit like upset about it but um also grand scheme of things only 24 right yeah right yeah i don't know i'm i don't i don't know <laughs> i'm trying to turn this into a lesson for some reason i'm i'm i don't i could, would like to you stop don't look now. a day over 42 so thank you that's what i go for yeah <laughs> i powder my face with nitric acid that's not even a thing um also just for everyone listening i'm not like putting on a, a cute like valley girl voice right now i got throat sick and i lost my voice for a bit too much deep throating too much deep throating um (laughs) you're right that we'll stop there too much deep throating and on that note welcome to (laughs) do you do queer what i throat do you deep what i throat um no but welcome to do you queer what i queer and this is elliot and that is tom and we are dickwick yeah we are dickwick we are your hosts um we will your confidants your uh, courtesans. You're... <laughs> I know. I don't know either. But it's the daytime. We're not We're not quick yet. No. Also, back to the mimosa thing I was saying, the going out tonight makes me quite nervous because we're already drinking. So just picture me rambling at like midnight. You know, in a bukkake. You yeah. know, I just feel like I might need And attention. who knows where I'll be at that point. Yeah. Or where you'll be. Yeah. Whether it be ditch or right. moor. Or, or who I'll be in. Yeah. Or who'll be in you. Yeah, it's right. 2018, it's 2018. Right? <clears throat> it's a time for new beginnings. <laughs> okay, we got some corners to get through. First of all, sh- um, uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even though we're tr- still trying to figure out what the fuck Twitter is. Give us give us some time on some, Twitter. Yeah, help us out there also. Yeah. Um, just joking. And um, Patreon. Yep. And is that it? I think that's it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, check us out. Shout us out. Send us some emails, DMs. Drop us a line. Follow, dick picks, subscribe. Whole dick picks, picks. Whole pics. Uh, tit pics. Face pics. Let Let's see your faces. Yeah. Right. Like let's Let's get an idea. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. That's fine. Um. So we have a few. Bir- let's Let's have birthday corner first. Okay. So I have a present here for Aww. you. 
Um, do you want to do that? We have a shot to do too. Oh yeah, we have let's a shot. do the shot right now. Okay, it's tequila. It's white tequila. It's white tequila, and it's noon. <clears throat> yeah, and this is Saturday the twenty seventh. Oh, in boring. case we die now, just time of death twelve thirty seven p.m. Cheers, Cheers, I love you. I love you too. See you on the other side. Oh, that's fucking disgusting. Oh, oh God. Yep, yep, yep. 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 Oh, no, I hate my life. Indeed. This peach mimosa goes down quite nicely after, though. Oh, God. I always make questionable life choices. <laughs> Me too. This podcast will be fun. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> I'm going to give you a present now to open. Thank you. Birthday it's corner. not the bukkake that I wanted, but... There's just 15 men in this tiny bag. Can open the... Cu- <laughs> Surprise. This is the kind of man I like. Open the card first. Okay. Do you want me to read it out loud? Yeah. Okay. It says, happy birthday. Enjoy. And then Tom writes, first of all, I'm very sorry for the heteronormative blue, like what the fuck, also for the enjoy above. Come on, Hallmark. Enjoy what the fuck. Toxic masculinity? Question mark, exclamation mark. Happy birthday, Elliot. It's been a wild ride so far, and I'm so proud of everything you've accomplished and are. The past six months, I'm happy to say... We've upgraded from friends to family, and I'm fucking stoked to find out what's to come for us next. Love, Tom. Oh, my God. Happy birthday. That's so touching. That's the gift. That's the gift in itself. That was so nice. Yeah. You like me. I wasn't sure. I really like you. I know. Don't tell anyone. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Don't let anyone know. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a garbage bag. It's probably exactly what you think it is. (gasps) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god everybody it's a crystal jellies doc johnson 12 inch double dildo oh my god i was worried that 12 inches won't be long enough for us i, I haven't bottomed in a while okay um i will like this is enough to work our it's way a good up. starter double ended absolutely built in america yeah since night since 1976 so you know there's some history to it i asked for a bigger one and then the man set, pointed out this gigantic massive like purple ore <laughs> and and it like vibrated and everything but it was also like so expensive and i was like oh my god i mean i think we need to work our way up to that i think one. 12 is a perfectly good start okay point. Good. a million and ten percent also willing to like mark a cute midway on it so uh first time listeners we've promised everybody that we will pull a double-ended dildo trick and we will see who can reach midpoint first that's not now by the way that is not happening no. right now <laughs> um in fact i think we made it a tier on our patreon yes so it's a future right. thing to look forward to yes or a goal or whatever a you celebration of sorts if we make a certain amount of money back exactly and we're going to start it off by doing a coffee enema so right yeah Although I heard, we need to research that more. I heard coffee enemas aren't good. Yeah, I read an op-ed by a nurse that was like, please stop doing this. Like, I'm begging everyone <laughs> to stop, which did that make In me... In which like, case, I want to do it more. Me too. <laughs> Self-destructive faggots. Um, thank you. That was Birthday Corner. That was birthday so corner. sweet. Corner. Yeah. I love it. Good. I'm glad. Awesome. It, it's not the most imaginative. Oh, the other thing I was thinking of getting you was like a foxtail um, anal plug. Oh, my God. It was so cute. Oh my god, that sounds so cute. Yeah. We should wear matching ones for pride, I think. That's a great idea. I've never worn an anal plug before. Me neither. I've never really been into, like, pup play, but now's the time to start, I'd say. It's 2018. That's what we promised each other. Cheers. In case everyone's wondering, it's 2018. You're 24. Yeah. You know? You're not a... 
a young lad anymore. I'm no spring chicken. You are not. No. You're an old rooster. Yeah, I'm a, an aged. I'm an aged clit and clot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a. F- I'm a no. decrepit cock. Yes, I. Okay. I'm gonna <laughs> ignore that last one. Thomas, what other corners a do we have? A withered miser. Uh, a wuthering heights. No, that's <laughs> just the name of a book. <laughs> um, what other corners do we have? Uh, corrections corner. Um, I think we said Leah's, uh, her show was on February 7th, but it's not. It's on February 6th at the 120 Diner. That's at Church in Richmond here in Toronto um, from 9 to 12. If you want to check her out, um, you'll have some company because I'll certainly be there. And we're talking about the beautiful, iridescent, unmistakably Leah Elise Canali, who is at the Cannoli. Uh-huh. And she is a songstress of... of educationology yeah some might call a doc a doctress well she's working her way to a doctress yeah she yeah. doesn't have her ph doctress yet no. so um anyway yeah thank you for that correction this is a, a follow-up kind of correction okay this is me acknowledging the learning curve um of this podcast and i want to acknowledge that i would like to speak a little bit more slowly and perhaps enunciate better that's me speaking my truth right now. I, I'm going to piggyback on that truth. Okay. I would also like to speak slower and enunciate better. Enunciation is the cornerstone <clears throat> of good radio. That was, that was not a like radio? tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> this, does this count as radio? Um, talk, it's talk radio. Is it? It's not on the radio. I mean, you certainly have the face for radio. I can take a lot of things, but I think that was that was my cap. <laughs> I know you can take a lot of things. <laughs> no! Why do I set you up for these things? Oh, I love it. Oh, this crystal it's jelly dildo is just <laughs> looking better and better by the second. <laughs> that tequila made my whole body warm. I know. My Ooh. face is already, like, puffing up. I love it. We already had some cute champagne. Such a good day. Pamela um, made us a charcuterie board. She did. She's... She's still in her Joanne getup, and she's standing beside a brie cheese charcuterie with some grapes. And she's so bougie, I feel dirty looking at her. I feel like filth looking at her. <laughs> and she's a little bit higher. She's elevated. I know. Um, we're trash. She's Look at her eyes. She says, you're fucking disgusting, both of you. Oh, yeah. She, she's not even looking at us. She's looking no. beyond us because yeah. we're so disgusting that to gaze on us would be to ruin her own self-image. So <laughs> there's now a caste system in my apartment. I don't feel safe, <laughs> but <laughs> Pamela is God, so. <laughs> oh, the mother, daughter, and the holy Pamela. Oh, I love it. Okay. Bourgeois baby. What is your color today? Mm, my color is, it's pink. I, it's pink. I'm so yeah. pink today. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have pink shirt. I have pink nails. I just got a pink coat. It's my birthday. It's like a, it's, I'm a pink baby. Oh, oh God. I don't know about that one. Um, yeah, I feel pink. What's your color? Uh, pink. Ah! I was like red all week. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to say how red I fucking am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to live in the moment and live my truth. And I'm excited to be celebrating your birthday. And like the whole, I just have this like air around me that's like pink, sparkle, sprinkle, frosting, birthday cake nonsense. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, do you have any anecdote corners? One of my anecdotes is also a silver lining. So okay, you can save it. I'm gonna save it. I'm so mysterious this episode. What are your anecdotes? Uh, I don't. I don't think I have any anecdote corners. We no like fisty fumbles or anything. 
Stay tuned. Ooh, is that what's happening tonight? <laughs> a fisty fumble. Yeah. That sounds painful. It sounds accidental, which yeah. is the worst kind of fisting. Um, an accidental fist? How do you even? So someone maybe fell, um, and punched up your asshole. Yes, like they fell and like 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 locked their elbow in an upright position. Then you proceeded to fall on them because tom does frequent the bar with no pants so that's not an out of out of like the norm that's not fair i've only frequented the bar without pants like four times yeah and do you remember how you got out of the bar those four times that's really none of anyone's business (laughs) so anecdote corner is now over yeah we've closed the corner for good (laughs) oh that's a wrap that's a wrap on this week thanks for listening we appreciate it uh, we're clearly we clearly don't want to get into the stuff we know. I we know. Have to. I don't so want to get into it. Like, let's chat. laugh about other things yeah. first. Honestly, being white men, I feel like we don't get our voice heard enough. <laughs> like, I feel like, why don't we just keep talking? You know? Oh, everything's problematic. I know it is. Ooh, I've started watching um, American Crime Story: The Assassinacci, <laughs> the assassination <laughs> of Johnny Versace. And it's good. so far, it's so gay and so dramatic. The score is excellent. And Darren Chris, like, he's an absolute maniac in this show. And he can do whatever he wants to me. Like, he's so fucked up. Oh, I can't And I'm wait. so into it. What character does he play? Uh, Andrew Kunanen. I know nothing about the story, so I don't know why I asked. Oh, uh, he's the assassinator. Okay. I didn't ruin anything. He assassinates well, him the, within the first the few minutes. The show is called The Assassination Of, so <laughs> I would hope. Yeah, but he's so crazy. He reminds me a lot of one of my exes. I won't say who. Ooh. Oh, my God. He just <laughs> mouthed it to me. I really hope everyone heard that. <laughs> We're also, getting mad if they did. Yes, I do know. He's, like, so sociopathic and narcissistic. And, Which like, is your perfect The most man. exciting way. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Tom loves to, like, know that he might not, like, wake up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, you let a stranger in, but what's going to happen? Exactly. That's your favorite. Like, if it's not dangerous, then it's not fun. Totally. Yeah. Um, all to say, I'm too, such a storm chaser in terms of dating. You you're the I mean? Helen Hunt of I am the, the queer community. <laughs> I will accept that. People are going to be furious. <laughs> Don't you dare. Oh, speaking of Helen's, Helen Mirren, I just saw her trailer for the new horror movie she's in. Oh my God, she's a goddess. I love her. This is Helen Corner. Let's keep it going. <laughs> Helen of Troy, also gorgeous. Loved her. I hate you. <laughs> no, Helen Corner. Helen Corner. Oh. Um, Meryl Streep just joined the cast of Big Little Lies. <laughs> what is this turn? What is this turned into? This is media corner. I just want it to be light and happy. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Um, let's go. Okay, who? What's more? What's most appropriate? I have an update corner. That's a bit of a longer thing. Um, I say we start with update corner. Okay. Do it's, you have an update corner? I think, I think that I might be related to what you're doing. So you just go. And All I'll right. Or you. should we get out the dildos? The we dildo. should get out the dildo. What if we did one in the mouth, one in the ass, and, like, whenever they touched in your body was when you win? Oh. Oh, my God. I I'm don't want to do I that. don't quite follow, but... Like, like, all the way down the mouth and all the way up the anus, and whenever they, like, touch in your stomach. You know oh. what I mean? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you need a lesson on human anatomy, number one. <laughs> that was just one big tube. <laughs> There's nothing else in there, right? Just in the mouth, out the butt. Or vice versa. Okay, and on, like, 
staying on track with horrifying transitions. Oh, no. I have an update on Bruce MacArthur. Oh, God. That was mine, too. Who, if you'll all remember, is um, Toronto's serial killer. Okay. So, Bruce MacArthur is the serial killer who was just apprehended. Right. For the killing of Sleem Essen and Andrew Kinsman and likely many, many more. Likely many more. So far, I, I read today that they reported two others. Confirmed. Uh, not confirmed, but um, alleged murder Holy of shit. two others. No. Um, so MacArthur was detained last week as part of the uh, Project Prism investigation. That's mm-hmm. what this investigation has been called. And his house was uh, searched, which is where this new evidence was found to connect him to the murders of, of two other men, dating back a while. <clears throat> All of these men were uh, frequents of the church in Wellesley Village here in Toronto, which is where we frequent and where we'll be going tonight. So Church in Wellesley Village. So Right. So apparently MacArthur was under, for, under surveillance for some time and it was picked up at the auto wrecking yard, presumably to have his car destroyed. And when they picked him up, they found traces of blood, which led to the warrant to search his house. I love stupid killers. So MacArthur's arrest came two months after police chief Mark Saunders said there's no evidence that these cases were connected. So there's some discourse on whether or not uh, Saunders was saying that to, you know, throw MacArthur off the scent that they were following him. Um, However, friends of of the victims do not think that. Of course, of course. And I mean, yeah, we've talked this last week, but like the history of relations between queer community and police is never great. So he was at the courthouse here at Young and College. Uh, MacArthur was on Thursday and friends of Andrew Kinsman was out, were outside. So the friend said it took someone who was white to be the catalyst for them to get up and do their jobs. King said, who was one of uh, Kinsman's friends. Um, one thing they could have done is instead of being so obsessed with marching the pride parade, they could have taken more interest in this case. Because it was happening I mean, when the parade was happening. Absolutely. I mean, that's petty a- a- AF, but yeah, I get it. King said that since the first man, uh, Skandaraj Navaratnam, went missing in 2010, there have been concerns among those who live in and frequent the Church Wellesley Village that foul play could be to blame. Back then, everyone was thinking it was a serial killer. Um, adding that he works in the heart of the village and nightlife and has not seen an increased police patrol presence since Essen and Kinsman went missing. They said that the searches for Andrew took them all around green spaces throughout Riverdale and up and down the Don River Valley. In the forest, they found a bunch of shit, but they never found Andrew. What kind of shit? Like debris and stuff? Needles. And, oh, right, yeah. right, right. And she said her call with investigators where she learned an arrest had been made put her into a state of shock. I just relieved there's that he's been caught, but let's get justice for Andrew and Salem and the others. Absolutely. So the problem here is that all the men, or these four men before Andrew Kinsman, were were people of color. And so the concern is that it took a white man being going missing and being murdered to sort of ignite the police investigation. What, whether you believe that or not, I mean that's yeah, that's what's they're that's what's being said right now. And yeah. I was doing some more research last night, and it is very very strange because um, Andrew Kinsman doesn't seem to fit the profile. If there would be right. one, and why now, right? Like it's it is it's suspect to say the least. And I really hope that's not the case. But who would be surprised at you this know? point? 
Not me. Not not me either. Um, <clears throat> so my update was along the same lines. Leah from last week had actually sent me an article. Um, basically, there was new evidence that came to light that Bruce MacArthur had been banned from an area between... So anywhere between university... Bloor, Sherborne, and College in that chunk, which is the village. It's literally the area that I basically frequent. I don't walk outside of that perimeter ever. Me neither. Uh, Bruce MacArthur was banned from there because they had violently assaulted a sex worker, a male sex worker, with a pipe back in 2001. And so the fact that they were even able to enter that area again, it's all it's all so, so, so bad. Um like, in 2001, I feel like in terms of escalation, in terms of psychology, if that's where you're at back then, there's no fucking telling how long this person's been doing these horrible crimes. That's right. And, like, who knows how many there actually are. I know. Like, who the fuck knows? It's it's going to be so weird. It's just so weird that on our first episode, we talked about it, and now it's coming to light, and there's only going to be more information. And yeah. in whatever, 10, 15 years, when they know everything, like... That shit blows my mind. I, I never think that it's still going to happen. I always think of these cases as in the past. And for it to be going on right now, I, it's so disturbing. I know. And my heart just goes out to everybody affected. I know. And the families and the victims. And I just hope that motherfucker gets what's coming. Yeah. Oh, that was unfortunate. Oh, we knew that corner. was coming. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's caught. That's a silver lining. Yeah. Oh, my God, though. Okay, yeah, no, good thing. So, my thing, I have a little bit of a fun thing. Oh, good. Is that okay? Can I, like, jump in for a bit? Please. So, I have had this research for weeks. I've been wanting to talk about this, but I haven't found the time. Um, and it all started, I was a little bit stoned one night playing with Google and Graham Viewer. Do you ever do that? Absolutely not. What the hell does that mean? So, Google has this this thing, the Ngram Viewer, where you punch in a keyword or phrase, and it searches Books. It searches prevalence of terminology and literature, I think based from 1800s to up to 2000 and I want to say two, but it could be later. Um, anyway, so I was like, I wonder about the word queer. So I typed the word queer in and I advise everyone to do this at home because it's super, super interesting. But there is basically not much of it. And then a massive spike for the word in the 1920s. And then it drops steadily again until the 80s. And now it's rising steadily towards the 2000s and still rising. So, like, it kind of led me to wonder what the etymology of the word was and what this history and why the 20s. So, here's my little drunk history. Right. So, what queer actually means, um, yeah, the etymology. Circa 1500, queer meant strange, peculiar, or eccentric, which was from Scottish or perhaps from Low German. Queer, in the Brunswick dialect, meant oblique, off-center, it's related to the German word queer, Q-U-E-R, I'm probably mispronouncing that, which means oblique, perverse, or odd. Mm. Right? So very interesting how it started. Um, and then from this, I love this. So from Old High German, twer, T-W-E-R-H, which also means oblique, the pi root of it is twerk, which is to twist. So queer comes from twerk, which oh is God. odd, strange, twisted, out I of the ordinary. It. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um so then this is why there's a spike in the 20s, because the first time it was used and to mean homosexual was recorded in 1922. Um, so somebody was a queer person as an adjective. And then the first time it was used as a noun is 1935. So I am a queer. Uh -huh. Like that guy is a queer. Wait, what year again? 
So uh, first recorded 22 for homosexual as an adjective. And then uh, noun is 1935. Um, related is queerly, queer studies um, as an academic discipline uh, from 1994. So that's very very much more recent 94 um, eh? yeah so th- this is fun too as a verb <laughs> in 1812 starting from 1812 it meant to spoil or ruin like so when oh. you queered something you ruined something i love queering everything right just this i love this, queering people this for the reclamation is so good yeah um earlier it meant to puzzle ridicule or cheat in 1790 oh which i also love um and then so in 1846 it was common to say that you queered the pitch so to queer the pitch is in reference to the patter of an itinerant tradesman or showman. This also, I need to say, this is from the etymol- uh, the free online etymology dictionary. Um, it's a little bit hard to parse out. Anyway, yeah, so that's the etymology. Hmm. Then, so I wanted to know why the 20s. Oh, actually, sorry. First, there was another article, if you're actually interested in etymology, this blog Autostraddle, and there's this uh, person named Kara who posted on it. And it has basically the same thing that I just said, but there's a few variations because no one can actually be sure. Like, so there's there's some things that are against what I just said. Um, so Proto-Indo-European twerk, again, but also the root of several other vocabulary staples, meaning to thwart and also sarcasm. So it has it has Ooh, the same, yeah, it has the same kind of thing. Um, I love thwarting with sarcasm. I know, right? And there's a competing theory, uh, which was presented by the word detective William Sayers. Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, he says that queer instead comes from the morphine Q, K-E-U, which denotes a bow, arch, or incurvation. So something was queered, it wasn't straight, which is so fascinating. Hmm. Um, so there's like little little puzzle pieces to put there. Um, so Q became the Middle Irish quar, which meant bent or a twisted thing, um, which became queer or misaligned to finally the Scottish word queer. So, I don't know. Whatever way you get there, I think that's pretty fascinating. Nifty. Right? Okay, so now the 1920s. I don't know why I'm so fascinated by this, but this was from Wikipedia, but also from um, the articles that it cited. I, like, made sure it was all accurate. So, the 1920s ushered in a new era of social acceptance of minorities and homosexuals, um, at least in heavily urbanized areas. This was reflected in many of the films of the decade that made open references to homosexuality. <clears throat> so this is cool. There's popular songs that poked fun at the new acceptance of homosexuality. So one of these songs is called Masculine Women, Feminine Men, which was released in 1926 and recorded by numerous artists of the day and included the following lyrics. Honestly, we might plug this song in or just go to YouTube and check it out. It's fucking cool. It goes... Masculine women, feminine men, which is the rooster, which is the hen. It's hard to tell them apart today and say, sister is busy learning to shave. Brother just loves his permanent wave. It's hard to tell them apart today. Hey, hey. Girls were girls and boys were boys when I was a tot. Now we don't know who is who or even what's what. Knickers and trousers, baggy and wide. Nobody knows who's walking inside those masculine (gasps) women and feminine men. I mean, it's just so weird because that's the discourse that people have today. Like, well, when I was young, there wasn't the shit. And it's like, no, these people have always existed. It literally, right? I really want to hear that song. Oh, you have to listen. It's fascinating. Just interesting because it literally just depends on society's acceptance. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how visible these people can be. Um, So, yeah. So, in the 20s, um, queer people had a level of acceptance that was not seen again until the 70s. Um, Until the early 30s, gay clubs were openly operated, commonly known as pansy clubs. Uh, The relative liberalism of the decade is demonstrated by the fact that actor William Haynes 
regular named in a newspaper and magazine as the number one male box office draw, openly lived in a gay relationship with his lover, Jimmy Shields, at the time. Which is crazy. Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. Uh, I've never heard of that. I, honestly, like, it's, it's so fascinating. Um, other popular gay actors uh, of the decade include Ella Nazimova and Ramon Navarro. In 1927, Mae West wrote a play about homosexuality called The Drag and alluded to the work of Carl Heinrich Ulrichs. Um, it was a box office, box office success, and West regarded talking about sex as a basic human rights issue. So this is in the fucking 30s. Like, that's so weird and so cool. Um, yeah, so uh, in blah, 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 with the return of conservatism in the 30s, the public grew intolerant of homosexuality, and gay actors were forced to choose between retiring or agreeing to hide their sexuality. Uh-huh. So sorry, that was the 20s going into the 30s. Uh-huh. Um, so 1935, uh, the, the Great Depression era is occurring. Um, I believe it ended officially in the States in 34, but continued economically, obviously, to affect everyone. I could be totally wrong. I actually didn't research this at all. Um, but Victorian values and um, morals, which were ridiculed in the 20s, became fashionable once again. Um, also going into World War II, obviously, it relapsed into conservative values in order to reclaim, um, I guess, heteronormative stability of the household. They needed um, economic balancing to make sure babies were... I don't know what the fuck the reason is, but it's pretty fascinating. Um, so by the 1930s, fruit and fruitcake, um, as well as other terms, were seen not only negative, but also to mean male homosexual. Um, LGBT people were wildly diagnosed as diseased with the potential for being cured, thus were regularly treated with castration, lobotomies, public nerve surgery, and electroshock treatment. Oh, good God. Yeah, so that's going into the 30s. Uh, So transferring the meaning of fruitcake, nutty, to someone who is deemed insane or crazy may have seemed rational at the time, and many apparently believed that LGBT people were mentally unsound. In the U.S., psychiatric institutions where where many of these procedures were carried out were called fruitcake factories. Well, in the 1960s, Australia, they were called fruit factories. Oh, my goodness. Started off great, ended up not so great. Um, Also, I need to say, I don't, uh, like, this is very on the surface, and I feel like if you were a trans woman of color at the time, you probably wouldn't have had the same liberation. Like, there was still an intersection going on here, and I'm guessing a lot of these were cisgendered queer people. You know what I mean? Or, like, gay and lesbian men and women not sure that's just a feeling i have so this is just kind of a final note from the article a gay world vibrant and forgotten by george chauncey you should read this because it's i don't know it's such a fascinating part of our history there was men and women um who saw themselves as part of a visible largely working class gay world uh, who forged a culture with its own fashion customs folk histories heroes and heroines this was in the 1920s and early 30s and gay impresarios i don't know what that is i clearly copy and pasted this gay impresarios organized drag balls attracting thousands of gay dancers and straight spectators gay writers actors and musicians produced a distinctive gay literature and performance style Uh, this cultural outpouring was so popular by the late 20s that gay performers moved from the margins of the city and briefly became the darlings of broadway so there was such a strange acceptance going on at this time hmm 
Uh, this flourishing gay world has been forgotten. It was wiped into historical oblivion by a fierce backlash in the 30s, part of a wider depression area condemnation of the cultural experimentation of the 20s, which many blamed for the economic collapse. With millions of male breadwinners losing their jobs, people were fearful of any additional threats to traditional family hierarchies. So yeah, that kind of just confirmed what I was saying. Um, so that's my little bit. And then just as a tack on, I was just going through Tumblr the other day and I saw a reference to this this nightclub in Paris that was operating in the 20s and 30s and it was called I'm not going to say in French it was called the Monocle now step inside Le Monocle one of the many nightclubs in Mont in Montmartre during that time opened by Lulu de Montparnasse uh the Monocle was one of the first and perhaps the most famous lesbian nightclubs in Paris there some women wear dresses but most don tuxedos and crop their hair short in the photos it's clear the club provided a fun and safe space to let loose and if you look at these pictures, this is in the 20s and 30s, and it's, like, out Whoa. lesbian women with, like, lesbian dancers, like, burlesque dancers, and just, like, a women's only Whoa. gay cool. nightclub. Um, the article is called Le Monocle, the Sexy Lesbian Nightclub of 1930s Paris. Oh, anyway, I want to go there. Me too, back in time, and get kicked out because we're men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, whoops. <laughs> Let's infiltrate women's spaces. <laughs> we get to go anywhere we want. <laughs> Yay. Anyway, that's my little drunk history. I love it. Thanks. I was so captivated by it. I like. No, it's so fascinating. And especially what we're doing right now. Um, it, it, now, when I think of it as cyclical, is so interesting. And it's only the more reason to ensure that we keep fighting. Because, I mean, hey, like the States is on the brink of nuclear war. And the fucking scientists just moved the doomsday clock two minutes to midnight. And we cannot let a lapse back into conservative values ever, ever counter the queer movement again. And I feel like hopefully it won't happen because there's a lot of voices. But yeah, I don't know. It fuels me in a way that I can't describe when I hear this kind of thing. I know. I got to bring something up now. Oh, boy. Um, Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown. Do you know what happened there? Yeah, well, I know that he stepped down from being the leader of Ontario's PCs because of sexual assault allegations. That's right. So we did that early Thursday morning after denying the allegations of sexual impropriety dating back many, many years. Oh, shit. Um, but let, let's clarify this right now, that he stepped down. Right. Like, he stepped down. It was his decision. Right. Um, As opposed to, you mean him being cast out? Yes, correct. Right. Um, yeah, so at a sudden press conference at Queen's Park on Wednesday night, just ahead of a report on CTV's national news, this is obviously by CTV, which reported allegations from two unnamed women. One, he said he'd asked her for oral sex when she was still in high school, oh. and he was a Barry City counselor by dropping his pants. The other said no. he'd assaulted her when she worked for him when he was a federal MP and at a time when she was extremely drunk. No! Yep. Oh! So, like, that... Is a thing, right? So, this mm. uh, this is what I want to talk about. And maybe you can shed some light here. Because I was so fucking red for the last two days. Because people are coming out in droves to support Patrick Brown. In droves. Oh, God. I had articles shared up and down on my fucking Facebook feed. And it took everything in me not to, like, violently, like, just, like, type angry messages at, at my quote-unquote friends for sharing this fucking shit give me a okay a so there's two articles that and i think they're both fucking vile one more than the other the national post there was an article by christy christy blatchford 
who was saying like what happened to Michael um, Patrick Brown is fundamentally unfair for blah 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 reasons and even more disgusting article was by a woman named Rosie DeMano and that's in the fucking Toronto Star and this article is so fucking vile it is so pro-rape culture I Uh. don't even know where to begin like I don't even know how to contain my anger at this woman for writing this shit she was basically like I don't care that he's he's an asshole that he's a creep and these women are cowards who are who who choose to stay anonymous i'm sorry like literally she's victim blaming literally it's it's like the sorry worst what's her of, name is this christy um no this is rosie demano from the, the toronto star i suggest everyone write very angry emails to her i am going to i'm so pissed about it fucking rosie demano from the star is like literally human trash like i'm so angry at her i don't even know like i can't even get my head around it so she wrote to be blunt I don't care if Brown was a Randy womanizer. Um, um. What a mosh pit of preemptive condemnation and weaponized indignation we've been pitched into, coalescing around the Me Too movement. A phenomenon that has jumped the shark in some of its recent manifestations. Are you fucked? Are you fucking fucked? I'm so mad that I'm speechless. Rosie, have you read a thing or looked out your window? Have you existed in the world? So, nor is she disgusted uh, by Brown's purported misconduct in caption, which is small beer as recounted by the deep throats. Neither woman has claimed to be traumatized by their in-the-bedroom encounters. One of them told CBC she felt awkward and anxious in the aftermath, particularly when Brown invited her to travel with him as an assistant on a fucking trip to India, and she agreed. Like, this is obviously a man who is in power over a woman. She is underage. Yeah. He is a public figure. Yeah. Like, he is held to a higher standard than the rest of us. It is all just madness. Mm -hmm. And that these women writers for the Toronto Star and the National Post had the fucking audacity to write these articles, like, victim shaming these women and saying that it's it's fundamentally unfair to this white man in power is such bullshit. I don't know what to do. Like what the fuck? Yeah. For everyone, for everyone who's not in this room, I just saw Tom get more unhinged than I've ever seen him. And I'm proud that I witnessed that moment. I'm proud at, at you. I love you so much. That was amazing. It's here. It's right here. This is Toronto. And these women, these women are fucking reporters i know you keep stressing the fact that they're women but women are misogynist too like there's nothing that surprises me about this really like it's it's terrible but like to 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 expect a woman to stand up for another woman just because she's a woman like that's not unfortunately that's nothing that we can do and i mean look at the fucking proof like it's education these are dumb fucking people these are dumb fucking people who who um there's a I don't know I I feel like I'm rambling at this point but there's a fucking reason why you're taking a stance some some shit happened to you yeah or you've been fucking brainwashed maybe your fucking uncle's a meninist activist I don't fucking know but like <sighs> there's some shit and you're not right in the fucking head are they really old like maybe they're really old white women who are stuck in the fucking maybe Trump's it's, America or whatever. yeah they're all of the above this harkens back so perfectly to what Leo but was this saying is Toronto but like, that's this what Leah was saying. Like, there's nothing about 
being Canada. And everyone agreed with her. I had friends sharing these articles. No. I had friends sharing these articles. Okay, so so okay, so maybe we need a more nuanced approach then because it's clearly reaching reaching pitch fever and people are uh, coming to see her point of view. Well, here's um, the thing. Like uh, it's so funny. She even she even quoted it as a witch hunt, which is ridiculous to use to use that term. The irony alter. is so sick. <laughs> I know. But it's just she's saying like no men are safe anymore because of all these allegations. You're safe as long as you're not a fucking sexual assaulter. Like exactly. I don't. That's, I don't understand. Oh, oh, men aren't safe all of a sudden. No. What about all the women who have always been unsafe in these situations? Yeah, these people are just so deeply indoctrinated into uh, the patriarchy that there's no way. Um, there's no way out. There's no way out. And uh, there's. I read this thing. This like this psychologically what human beings do is when you're so galvanized in an opinion the stronger points against your opinion don't change your point of view they only make that wall stronger in your brain so when so when real things come out these people who fundamentally believe that these men are being dragged through the dirt for no reason are going to write shit like this it's so difficult to get people to change on a fundamental belief and this woman is obviously misogynist like you obviously do not like women the fact that you're able to write this bullshit especially now i know especially about this like oh i'm so mad and like there was reports like on the cbc too about um the media knowing that brown had been up to shady business for quite some time and they were asking members of his caucus and they were like oh we've no we've never heard of any of these allegations and the media is like really you haven't because you work for him and we all have heard about them. So how do you quite explain that? Bullshit. Of course. The fact that we just didn't laugh at caucus shows how mad we are right now. I'm livid. I'm so mad. I'm um, just, anyway, sorry. Okay, so no, so this is good. Was... So no, anger is productive. Um, what can we do? We can write these people. Yeah. We can, I think that the best thing Rosie to do. Rosie DeMano, fucking write her. Write, write Rosie DeMano at the Toronto Star, right? Yeah, Toronto Star, yeah. Um, so so here's maybe a silver lining of this is that we need to understand why why this kind of stuff is happening and we need to reach a level of nuance in discussion where because because fire from back and forth does not work like it yeah. actually does not work yeah the you. only thing to do is discuss and like so well, what we need is a fucking radical uprising but what we need maybe right now is nuanced discussion and intelligence above all things and well to it's think- true because like we can't forget like there is there we cannot forget the point that these are still allegations like there's a process to the system even though the system was made by white men and it's a patriarchy and it's right. against women anyway and yeah i can't even talk about this stuff i get so I mad know. I know. Listen to men being mad uh. about being men. <laughs> Welcome to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, oh. I hate that song. Can <laughs> <laughs> we to change our theme song? <laughs> oh. Tom is actually like 10, I 10 can't. Ways. Like I just like was reading it, that paper on my way to work yesterday, and I was so mad. I almost turned around, went home, and burned down my house. You have a roommate? They're just like, why? <laughs> like, I read the news this morning. It's the fact that it's it's right here. That's the, like, I know it's so many facts. Yeah. The fact that it's right on our fucking doorstep. All of this shit. Like, cause it's so easy. And like, we said it last week and Leah said it last week. It's so easy to be like, oh, well, we're not the US. Like, we're not the US. But look at everything we've just recounted so far. That's right here. Like, I'm looking out the window. That's right in front of me. Yes. Literally what I'm looking upon. Yes. Immediately. 
Yes. Um, fuck. Fucking fuck. Anyway. And I'm so fucked fuck up. Fuck you, Patrick Brown. You fucking sleaze. Get out of here. And fuck you, Rosie DeMano. Fucking sticking up for that piece of shit. Fuck you, Patrick Brown, the most. But also, fuck you, Rosie DeMano. Um, it's... Anyway, I feel like you and I could have another hour of this. I apologize. I got a little heated. And <laughs> I'm trying to cool down now. I regret my crisp peach mimosa. You know what I learned from MFM? From what? anger anger management is... In red, out blue. It's sort of working. You cool all of that heat and anger. And this is the next hour with Elliot and Tom. Sit back, relax, and listen to the cooling sounds of the waves. No, I'm not there. And we're going to fucking make (laughs) you outraged. (laughs) If you're not driving your car off a cliff in the next 10 minutes, you're not listening. <laughs> you're part of the problem. Burn down the city. Anyway, this is... Um, Smacking your microphone around. I'm They're going to think that I'm beating you or something. Aren't you? You're not. Um, what have you heard about Prom Queen the musical? Literally nothing. Oh, really? Is that bad? No, no, it's not. So I remember this. In 2002... There was a dude named Mark Hall who wanted to bring his boyfriend to prom, Ontario. Yep, yep. remember this. Um, and there's a huge uh, kerfuffle about it. Anyway, they made a musical of it. Actually, friends of mine helped write it. I'm really proud of them. But the London District Catholic School Board... Pulled those receipts. Remember when Ontario still um, publicly funds Catholic schools? That's hilarious. What percent of the population in Ontario is Catholic? Anyone know? Can I guess? I I, I, I don't have an answer. Oh, I was so excited. Not enough. Yeah. Not well, enough. Yeah. And even if it was enough, not okay. So I know people like really fight me on this. But so the Grand Theater does a project every year. Prom Queen the Musical is this year. And they tour. They either tour the play around to schools in the district or the schools come to the theater to watch. Uh, I'm not sure which one. Okay. Doesn't really um, matter. But last week, the... This is from Global News. Last week, London's Catholic and public boards had said they would break with tradition and not provide money for the high school project, the Grand Theatre, um, because of the the play's mature content. Bullshit. That decision sparked online outrage. Yes, I was part of that. And the silver lining here is that it led to fundraising drive that collected almost $60,000 Ooh. To help fund the project. When the school boards usually pledge 30000 between them. Okay. Uh, so this, like, the, the online outrage sparked almost double that. Wow. Double that pledge, which is, which is amazing. Also, which is it's like, like ma- mature content. Like, no. M- mature. It's about someone no. going to prom. Yeah. And it's, it's a about school. overcoming adversity. It's about dealing with bullying. It's everything that that students should be watching right now at the age of the kids putting on the production like that makes actually no sense yeah so based on the outrage the public board has agreed to rescind what they had said about the funding and are on board to go forward Ooh, the catholic board shocker will not i'm surprised the musical is based on the true story of Mark Hall, a gay student in Oshawa who fought to bring his boyfriend to his high school prom in 2002 despite opposition 
from the local Catholic school board. Yeah. Fuck yourself. Ontario is one of only three provinces that publicly funds Catholic boards. Did not know that. Yeah, three. I think the other two are like Alberta, Saskatchewan or something like that. Do you learn what Corrections I learned? corner that. But um, that's how stupid that is. So the Thames Valley District School Board decided at its meeting on Tuesday that they would reinstate their portion of the funding, admitting that the decision to pull the funding was a mistake. Good, good on you. The Catholic Board, however, has not changed its stance. An interview request to the Catholic Board was denied. No shit, eh? Because what are you going to say about that? And the board spokesperson, Mark Atkinson, confirms they will not be reinstating the funding. Mark Atkinson, sweet baby angel. Let's put you in a basket with... Uh, Patrick Brown and, and Rosie DeMano and Ship just you off to set you off to see. Yeah, the Grand Theater provides valuable opportunities to students in our community, and although we have not, ch- we have chosen not to be a sponsor for this production. We are pleased that more than enough funds have been raised to offset our sponsorship amount. How pleased are you? Yeah. I bet you're. Ecstatic. Are you really pleased? We give all students our unconditional care and support each and every day in our schools and classrooms. Do you? Do you? What does this message say to your fucking students, Atkinson? Wow. The London District Catholic School Board has an excellent working relationship with the Thames Valley District School Board. Our work together is based on mutual respect, including the importance of making decisions independent of one another. The Grand Theatre, who, like, I have personal stakes in the Grand Theatre. I have one of my very best friends works there. And I'm really, really proud of them for fucking pushing this forward. So this is what they said uh, as a statement. Prom Queen tells the story of young people standing up for each other, celebrating and respecting diversity, and making the world a better place. And we believe that that's what theater should do. Tell relevant voices with authentic... Tell, sorry, tell relevant stories with authentic voices. I feel unsafe just hearing that synopsis. <laughs> like, like <no>. <laughs> this is exact. They're doing the exact right thing for students right now. This is exactly what the world needs. This is exactly what these students need. Like, I'm kind of shocked because um, the Catholic entity is just such, um, su- such, such an enterprise. It's such an institution. Wouldn't their PR people know better? Like, it's fucking 2018. I'm really shocked that these kinds of scandals are still going on. I like, I don't even understand. No, they're holding steady to their fucking god values. Which, where did you get those from? Those don't even make sense. Yeah. And let's, like, do, does everyone need a history lesson on, like, how the Catholic school board started existing? I'd like one. Yikes. Oh, I don't know enough to talk about (laughs) it. But I'll correction score to that. Well, it's basically, that's how, that's residential schools started it. Right. Like, that's how Catholic schools got started. Right, let's strip them of their... Like, it's disgusting. Let's forget, let, we always, we're so quick to forget our history. Oh. Sorry, I'm going off. No, speaking of residential school, I... There was some there was some response to the women's march from the indigenous community, and I would like you to talk about that. I just wanted to address something about the women's march from last week because we were sort of really gung ho about it as we should have been, um, and we were like, "Yay, we're wearing red scarves to mm-hmm. commemorate the missing and murdered indigenous women." Hashtag MMIW. But uh, I just wanted to read one woman's take. Um, one indigenous woman's take on the Women's March in Washington in a sea full of white women. Uh, I'm just going to read her thoughts on Twitter, if that's okay. Please do. Um, so uh, this woman's name is Hokte. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I apologize. H-O-K-T-E. Many women of color have uh, criticized this march already. I'd like to share an indigenous experience of colonization and stolen land. 
Before I begin my critique of the march, I want to thank every single organizer and marcher in our group. The experience was invaluable. We started a prayer circle in the morning in front of the American Indian Smithsonian Museum next to all those ancestors. It was powerful. I want to make it clear that I had my people with me and that I had a home in this march and it was absolutely plagued with white supremacy. I want everyone to know how disturbing it was during those brief moments I left the prayer circle and became surrounded by the gaze of white women. We were visible. They took pictures of us and then refused to take our flyers on pipelines, fracking, and the missing and murdered indigenous women in Oklahoma. Ashley and I started a chant. You're on stolen land. White woman shot us ugly looks. One shouted in her face, we know, but it isn't our fault. Are you serious? I can't deal with this. The white woman told us we looked beautiful and took pictures of us without our permission, but wouldn't listen to what we face as indigenous women. My, in, my partner and best friend Ashley and I wore our regalia. She wore her jingle dress and I wore my ribbon skirt and ribbon comb. Every, I want everyone to understand that our prayer circle was sacred and full of good spirits in those moments and how leaving the circle was toxic. We took smoke from the Ponca elder Casey Camp Horonek. We sang warrior songs together. There were so many nations that came together as one. We were surrounded by good medicine in DC, the belly of the beast. You could tell by our spirits we came from hundreds of years of resistance. Multiple white women scolded us for being too loud. Multiple white women mocked me for luluing, a war cry of sorts, alongside Ashley while she chanted. You could hear that the white women said, they're real Indians. They're still here? I think they're faking it. Why do they look like that? All the while, I kept trying to focus on the energy and history of the land I was standing on. Washington, D.C., capital, stolen Piscataway land. I always try to think about my connection to the land, think about whose ancestors I'm standing on, and these white women ask me if I'm a real human. Outside the prayer circle, white women are taking pics and videos of us in round dance. Several white women roll up in red skin hats. White women asking me, what is this? White women try to walk through our prayer circle and are immediately called out by our elders present. This is all before the march even begins. When the march starts, several white women try to join our group to march with us. Two white women beside me told me, guess we're Indians today, and laughed. We responded, we don't get to choose if we're native or not. This is our reality, and you are not Indian. You are disrespectful and need to go. White woman responds, I'm from Minnesota. I can name a lot of lakes around me, and they're all in Indian. I even know some tribes, too. Oh, my God. None of us are amused, and we ask her to leave. She calls us and our march rude and says it's unfortunate that Indians can't take jokes. When the march begins, I'm surrounded by a white woman holding up signs like smash the patriarchy, keep your hands off our pussies, and so forth. We begin our first chant, Miniwakoni, water is life. White women look confused, white women staring at us or just acting oblivious like we weren't there. And it makes me so, so fucking angry to type this. The tone deafness of all these angry white supremacists around me, their lack of care. Our lives as indigenous women are intersectional by necessity. Every day it's life or death for us in this settler colonial terrorist regime. I'm crying now typing this. One day it's a pipeline, the next our babies are stolen, next our sisters go missing, next we're killed by cops, and I'm marching and trying to hold my head up and remembering my 
Muskoka ancestors who marched on the Trail of Tears for me to be here. The whole time I am treated by non-natives, and especially white women, like a marching spectacle while they refuse my flyers, like a real-life museum. They only stopped to pay attention to us when we drummed and sang our women's warrior song, round-danced, or to say we have pretty costumes. These white women are saying, this is just the beginning. Our ancestors have marched since 1492. This is our whole lives. This is who we are. White women do not understand the complexities of our reality as children of this grandmother earth, indigenous to her lands, and they don't want to. White women want to call me their sister, but my sisters don't touch me or my regalia without my permission. They don't speak over me. You white woman with a transphobic sign about your vagina being your womanhood. White woman, that is a colonizer on my land, are not my sister. It's the opposite. You want me to hold hands with you and sing kumbaya and be equal while you stand on our ancestors' graves and this is your first march. You, white woman, are complicit in my genocide and until you abandon your white fragility and acknowledge this, that you're a white supremacist, not a feminist. Oh sorry. my god. Don't be sorry. I'm sorry for having white tears over that. I know that doesn't help. I know. Um... Wow. I I th- hope I hope that the Toronto Women's March wasn't that bad, but I have no idea. I haven't heard anything. I don't know either. Um there was a large indigenous presence and they there was a um anyway, I that's not shocking. It's really upsetting, but it's not shocking. Um it's there's so many it's so hard. There's so many problems. And people always think that it's irreverent to call out issues with progressive things, such as the Women's March. But this article was so amazing for for what it said. And yes, those signs are transphobic. Yes, I can see the power in it. But yes, a vagina does not does not make you a woman. You can have a vagina and be a man. You can have a penis and be a woman. You can have both and be whatever the fuck you want to be. You can have neither and be whatever the fuck you want to be. And the, like, I, I, I don't want to speak to it more because it's not my shit. You said you read it and God, I'm just so mad and sad and, uh, um, we can all do better going you and I, Wearing a red scarf and showing up at a march and being proud of ourselves just isn't good enough. It's absolutely not good um, enough. We just need to keep listening. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Happy no, don't birthday. be sorry. Happy be sorry. Birthday. Yeah. Thanks. I think um, I broke him. <laughs> I know that. Um, that was so well put, and I really hope that gets the recognition that it needs. Um. Okay. So I want to talk about when i was at the march i had these icons in my in my mind um they were like what i was marching for who i was marching for obviously not exclusively but um so marsha p johnson and sylvia rivera are two women who we owe them everything in my in my mind uh they paved the way for the queer rights movement they paved the way for the gay rights movement they were activists who if you ask me the community 
absolutely didn't give back enough that 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 they put in um and i really encourage everybody to watch the documentary uh pay it no mind and also the documentary the death and life of marsha p johnson um the second one the death and life of marsha p johnson is on netflix and it shows activist victoria cruz uh transgender uh puerto rican woman uh, as she goes about she works for the anti-violence project and she basically tries to figure out what happened to marsh p johnson because they ruled her death a suicide but people are positive that that's not what it happened anyway okay so i'm just gonna give i'm just gonna talk about who these women were and why they're important i really hope that everyone knows but that's totally okay if you don't so i'm sorry i don't know i'm a stupid faggot it's that's that's why we're here right we're here to learn um, so Marsh P. Johnson was born in 1945 in New Jersey, and she was an outspoken... Sorry, I'm quoting right now. Um, right now, I'm quoting from this fucking amazing article by Natasha um, Natasha Schlaffer, and the article is The Unsung Heroines of Stonewall, Marsha P. Johnson, and Sylvia Rivera. A lot of this is quoted because I literally couldn't put it better in myself. Um so born in 1945 in New Jersey, Marsha P. Johnson was an outspoken African-American transgender rights, gay rights, AIDS activist, sex worker, and drag queen during the late 20th century. Famous for her uniqueness, individuality, passion for equality, and compassion for others, Marsha was truly a one-of-a-kind woman. Whenever she asked what the P and her name stood for, she famously replied, pay it no mind. So her name was Marsha Pay It No Mind Johnson. Like the queen that she was, Marcia used the same reply when people pried about her gender or her sexuality. So Sylvia Rivera was born in New York City in 1951. She was of Venezuelan and Puerto Rican descent and worked as a trans rights, gay, activi- uh, gay rights activist and drag queen around the same time. Rivera was orphaned at an early age, and after she began to wear makeup in the fourth grade, Sylvia was thrown out of her house by her grandmother at 11. So at this point, Rivera began living on the streets and working as a sex worker before she was adopted by the local drag queen community. So, quote, these tremendous hardships could not crush Sylvia's incredible spirit and passion for the fight for equality. As the saying by Gina Carey goes, a strong woman looks a challenge dead in the eye and gives it a wink. And I fucking love that. So Rivera and Johnson's paths crossed at the famous Stonewall riots at the Greenwich Village neighborhood of Manhattan, New York City, which catalyzed the modern gay rights movement. So, at this point in 1969, the Stonewall Inn was one of the few places in the city that the gay community was able to uh, commune without suffering harassment from police and public shaming. So, furthermore, and this is, I think, really important for everybody to remember, the regular patrons of Stonewall were not mainstream members of the gay community, they were not cis white men, but they were the most marginalized members. The patrons at Stonewall were drag queens, transgender people, butch lesbians, male sex workers, and homeless youth. A lot of these patrons were also living in poverty by the virtue they were outcasts, even in their own subculture, and many were people of color. And at the time, much of the gay community tended to sideline members who were not white. Does that sound like today? Yes, it absolutely does. So, June 28th, 1969, Marsha P. Johnson is at Stonewall celebrating her 25th birthday. Police show up and begin to raid Stonewall under the guise of busting the establishment for selling liquor without a license. This is something that I learned through the documentary, The Death and Life of, um, is that it was actually run by the mafia. And the mafia in New York had its hand in a lot of gay rights movements um, because it was quite lucrative. And so so the cops, they would also tip the cops off and the cops had a relationship with the mafia as well. So they, they busted at a certain time. Holy fuck, I it's didn't know that. It's really complex. I honestly, everyone needs to watch that. 
So when the police began arresting and harassing gay patrons at the club, um, sorry, this is strange. Uh, so the gay community had had enough. Too many times establishments across the city where gay patrons congregated had been raided and too many times gay patrons had been pr- um, had suffered persecution by the police. This is massively quoted, just so you know, from that amazing article. So cops used to lead people to the bathroom and force them to gender themselves by showing their genitals to the police. And if you were a, quote, cross-dresser, they would arrest you. Like, this is in 1969. This is not that long ago. Oh, my God. Uh, so also... Uh, this is a sexual assault trigger warning uh, for everybody, but the cops would sexually harass the lesbian patrons at the bar, um, and especially were harassing them that night while they frisked them during this raid. Um, okay, so n- at this point, a crowd is gathered outside of the Stonewall Inn, and they're watching in horror as employees and drag queens alike were dragged outside and violently handled by the police before being shoved into cop cars. The point when the riot broke out and reached fever pitch was when a butch lesbian named Stormé Delavery was clubbed over the head for simply telling the cops that her handcuffs were too tight. So the uh, violent riot broke out at this point and the crowd exploded. They could no longer stand silently and watch members of their community be assaulted and unjustly imprisoned for their sexuality. Marsha P. Johnson was among the first of the patrons to resist the police that night and Sylvia Rivera among the first in the crowd of onlookers to take action by throwing a bottle at her police oppressors. The riots, they, the riots they helped catalyze spread to surrounding neighborhoods until all of New York was in an uproar and continued to last for several nights. The footage of this is fucking phenomenal. Um, their bravery, along with the others at the bar that night, led to the gay liberation movement. One year after the riots, the first gay pride parades were held, and two years after, there were gay rights groups in every major American city. So that's why pride happens that time of year, that's how pride started, and that's who started pride. And like, I can't even stress this enough that we need to always recognize that, and how is it even possible that the people who are still the most marginalized in the gay community are the ones who fucking gave us this right for protest? It blows my fucking mind. Um... Okay, so after Stonewall, Marsha and Sylvia co-founded the organization STAR, which was Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, uh, a group dedicated to helping homeless young drag queens and trans women of color. They dedicated their lives to fight for equality. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera serve as an inspirational reminder that even when the world seems pitted against us, we must still find strength and courage to stand for what is right. And if others would try to stand in our way, pay it no mind. Um, okay, so that's that article. It doesn't talk about the death of Marsh P. Johnson, but I would just like to kind of quickly bring that in and what happened to Sylvia after. On June 30th, 1992, shortly after the 92 Pride March, Marsha was reported missing. Six days later, on July 6th, her body was found floating in the Hudson River off the West Village Piers. She was 46 years old. Police initially ruled the death a suicide, but Johnson's friends and other members of the community insisted it, she was not suicidal, and there was suspicion that it possibly was mafia-related re- uh, because Marsha's friend and roommate had been going up against the mafia-owned establishments because, like I said, they had a hand in a lot of the queer community's pockets. Um, so, so according to Sylvia Rivera, she's quoted as claiming there's no way that Marsha had killed herself because she, quote, made a pact to cross the River Jordan together, which was the Hudson River. And there's no way that Marsha would have left her. Um, So Randy Wicker was a close friend and longtime uh, roommate of Marsha Johnson's in Hoboken, New Jersey. 
and he believes that Johnson was either thrown into the water or accidentally fell, but was in no way suicidal. Wicker said he spoke to a witness who saw a known neighborhood rabble rouser. This is, sorry, this is copy and pasted right now um, from, oh, I didn't get the article title. I need to corrections corner this, and I will corrections corner this. This is an article. I'm pretty sure it's um, the New York Post, but I, I'll come back to it. So Randy Wicker, close friend, said that she was not suicidal. He said that he saw a, yeah, sorry, a neighborhood rabble rouser named Michael fighting with Johnson on the pier on July 4th, 92. The witness told Wicker he saw the bully calling Johnson a faggot and later heard him brag about killing a drag queen named Marsha at the bar. So there's different, there's uh, different theories. Another huge theory is, of course, the mafia um, to get back at the fact that he was going up against the mafia. So Sylvia Rivera was devastated after Marsha's death and tried to commit suicide by walking into the Hudson River in May of 1995. She was homeless, living at the piers of the Hudson River for a while. Her entire community had shunned her. She had nobody. And there's footage of her as the cops go in to take down her shelter. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and on, on the plus side, however, okay, so she became an alcoholic obviously to cope with everything that was happening but then uh shortly after i think she was there for maybe four to five years she was welcomed back into a home for transgender activists and she reignited her activism she stopped drinking cold turkey she found the cause again and she was heralded as an icon and she was bringing activism across the world um and she she really helped galvanize the movements so that's kind of all i wanted to say but i just want to end with there's a 1973 speech that Sil- Sylvia Rivera gave at a gay liberation, um, gay liberation talk, and it's called Y'all Better Quiet Down. It's really heartbreaking because these people, the men and women in the crowd and the people in the crowd, uh, were basically booing her off the stage when she is the reason that they were able to have this fucking entire meeting and to have the gay lib movement push forward. I honestly think everyone should YouTube it because to hear it from her own voice is unbelievable. Uh, Say it again. The speech is called Y'all Better Quiet Down. She goes, Y'all Better Quiet Down. I've been trying to get up here all day for your gay brothers and your gay sisters in jail that write me every motherfucking week and ask for your help, and you all don't do a goddamn thing for them. Have you ever been beaten up and raped and jailed? Now think about it. They've, They've been beaten up and raped after they've had to spend much of their money in jail to get there. And it says an audible, so you can't really tell what she says. Uh, and try to get their sex changes. The women have tried to fight for their sex changes or to become women on the women's lib and they write star. Um, sorry, on the women's liberation and they write star, not to women's groups. They do not write women. They do not write men. They write star because we are trying to do something for them. I've been to jail. I've been raped and beaten many times by men, heterosexual men that do not belong in the homosexual shelter. But do you do anything for me? No, you tell me to go and hide my tail between my legs. I will not put up with this shit. I've been beaten. I've had my nose broken. I've been thrown in jail. I have lost my job. I have lost my apartment for gay liberation and you all treat me this way? What the fuck's wrong with you all? Think about that. I do not believe in a revolution, but you all do. I believe in the gay power. I believe in us getting our rights or else I would not be out there fighting for our rights. That's all I wanted to say to you people. If you, if all you want to know about the people in jail... Sorry. If you all want to know about the people in jail and do not forget Bambi Lamour or Dora Mark... Kenny Metzner and other gay people in jail come and see the people at star 
at Star House on 12th Street on 640 East 12th Street between B and C, apartment 14. The people are trying to do something for all of us and not men and women that belong to a white, middle-class, white club. And that's what you all belong to. And then she goes, revolution now. Give me a G, give me a A, give me a Y, give me a P, give me a O, give me a W, give me a E, give me a R. Gay power, louder gay power. And at this point, she just breaks down crying and it's so fucking heartbreaking. Anyway, sorry for that long and rambly and upsetting history. Um, We just need to do so much fucking better. I know. We just need to do so much goddamn better. Um, We have the luxury of even sitting here doing a queer podcast and having it be accepted and recognized. And these women fought for this ability. These and other um, trans people and people of color and lower class people and sex workers and these are the people who don't get recognized as being valid in our community god how did this turn into such a fucking bummer of an episode oh my god oh we agreed to keep it light and then we did not and we did the exact, the exact opposite. opposite this we've never had a, like a darker episode okay okay um we okay gotta, uh, move forward we gotta yeah we gotta move forward um I have to pee. Let's do a shot. Right? Yes. Um, really quickly, I just want to say that I painted over that story with quite a broad stroke. And there's so much footage and so much information that you can find on these women. And I suggest that you do. That's all I want to say. So, to liven up our spirits, Tom and I are going to take a shot. Oh, God. <laughs> also, yeah, like after the everything, maybe it's inappropriate. Um but we're drinking to doing better. I'll drink to that. <coughs> we're drinking to doing better and staying educated. Take whichever one. Cheers. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, oh why? 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 We're just going to cry more. I haven't cried yet in this podcast, and as soon as it started, I couldn't stop. When I watched The Death and Life of Marsh P. Johnson, I cried for a solid hour and a half, and then for the next hour afterwards. White tears are useless, though. I know. Save your fucking white tears, you piece of garbage. Do something about it. God, I hate myself. What should we talk about next? Sure sounds like you're talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Can we rename our podcast? Men explain things to you, colon, white tears. (laughs) Or just fuck you, trash monsters. Oh my god. Getting getting mad now. I I have some fun anecdotes. I have some fun silver linings. Oh, what an interesting transition. (laughs) Go ahead, I guess. Shred up these (laughs) 20 pages of depressing material in front of me. Don't Uh, worry, the white men get the last laugh. No. no, sorry, take it back. We're canceling this whole podcast. Jesse, cut that. Jesse, <laughs> Jesse's at work right now. Silver lining for myself. Last night, Jesse took me out for my birthday. We had amazing Italian. Jesse, Jesse, take him out for his birthday. He already did. We had amazing Italian food, which I love. And then we went to see I Tanya in theaters. Oh, I love that movie. It was so good. Oh my it. god, everything about it the whole film and then afterwards i come home and he gave me a print of an illustration of the episode of black mirror san junipero with 
like the lesbian love. Love and it's that episode. So good, and I just had such an amazing day, and it was so it was way better. Storyline. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I loved it. I'm not gonna lie, everybody. This is the most destitute. I think that Tom and I have felt. I think that I looked into in his eyes and I saw. I, it doesn't matter what we say anymore. It actually doesn't. Uh. So thanks for listening. This is the last episode <laughs> that we'll ever put out. Um, it's been a wild ride. Um, hold on. Tom, you have to think of something. All right, I didn't want to say this after this because it's so lame, but my silver lining is um, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star is being on again because it really connects um, a group of friends uh, of mine and me together, and it's something I really look forward to. Yay! Um, even though I don't really agree with a lot of the queens that have come back Ooh. it's not really an all-star it's a like also has been on but um tea shade oh queen um you're gonna get some hate for that and i love it bring it i know you're ready i haven't watched yet because i'm too busy yeah. to, to do that right i'm now. hashtag team trixie obviously i think that i'm hashtag team trixie and team chi chi but i haven't Ooh, I really love Chi-Chi. Oh, I... sucked in this episode. oh really i'm um, I love milk also, but everything that everyone hates about milk, I'm like, yes, that's so fair. He's the wor- she's the worst. Um, to be honest, also, I just like don't follow it enough to have an opinion. Like, I love the show; I've seen every single episode, but I don't get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I appreciate it. You just like Bob's Burgers. I love Bob's Burgers. It's <laughs> straight up my favorite television show. That's really, ever. Bob's Burgers? So so fucking good come on all right actually no broad city is my favorite all right um i can't even have this list this list is 20 hours long i don't want to end it there this i don't want to end it but we have to end it i guess um okay why don't i t- why don't one of us tell a funny story okay uh do you want to is there a story that i haven't told that you want me to tell yes i would love for <clears throat> you to tell Oh my God! Can you please tell the story that you cannot? The story. The story. You want me to tell the story? I want you to tell the story. It's my fucking birthday. Oh my God! I can't believe we want the story already. Yeah, I don't I know do. if I'm ready. You have to be ready. We're agreeing that it's the Cambodia story, right? Yes, of course. Okay. That's only one the story. Okay, here it is. <clears throat> I feel like I need another shot for this. Do you want? We have vodka. Um, do you want some? No, 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 God, no. Actually, put some vodka in our juice. Yeah, true. Um, I'm going to start telling it as you do that. Jesse. So um, as as many of you may or may not know, I spent a lot of years outside of Canada traveling around. um, And to uh, much to my delight, I was able to spend about a month in Cambodia, which is a problematic and beautiful country. I went to Siem Reap um, to see Angkor Wat, the gigantic famous temple we bought a three-day pass to see Angkor Wat um we were really excited it's that big it takes that long to see it so we arrive in Siem Reap Uh, my boyfriend at the time Rob who's a sweet angel darling from heaven I love him if you're listening I still love you (laughs) um (laughs) I was kind of a cunt to him but in the end but um so we found this like random gay bar in CM Reap one the night before we were going on a um, sunrise tour of Angkor Wat. 
So we go out in the bar. Fun, fun, fun. It was like drag queen karaoke. I don't know what it was. We get back to our, um, what's the word? Uh, guest house at around two or three. We have to be up at four for the hour car ride so that we can get to Angkor Wat before the sunrise. So we do that. And there's about 10 of us traveling in this group. We get to Angkor Wat. I'm feeling really not nice. Like really not cute. And so we're walking around for a few hours. It's beautiful. Like obviously it's an ancient sacred temple. It would have been the seventh one of the world, but didn't quite make the cut because of like the way the, the I guess, tourists and locals treat it surrounding. Um. <laughs> Put a pin in that thought. <laughs> hey, yeah. Um, and so we're walking around. I'm feeling less and less good. Um, it's around 8.30. It's probably 35 degrees um, and Celsius for, for all you Americans. Um, and so I go pee because I'm like, oh, maybe going to, to the washroom make me feel better. No, it didn't. As I was peeing, my vision went away. So, like, I got all those, like, white splotches that you do in your eyes. I love when that happens. Yeah, I, I hate when that happens. So, like, I couldn't see my periphery. And I also couldn't see all these splotches. So I walk out. And I'm like, guys, I'm losing my vision. Just, like, not to be totally alarmed. And all my friends are like, oh, my God, you're so dramatic as usual. Like, here, eat this granola bar and fucking relax. And so I did that. And we keep walking into the busiest part of Angkor Wat. I think it's called Angkor Tom. And so we go in. I'm feeling worse and worse and worse. Rob, cute, dear, lovely Rob, was trying to find this weird, like, scorpion mark on one of the walls or something. And so I was like, okay, listen, I need to sit down and put my head between my legs. (laughs) As you do. (laughs) Naturally. Because, like, my head started pounding. It was just this brutal headache. I don't know what the hell was wrong with me, sunstroke or what. And so he went off to go find the scorpion, and I just buried my head in my legs, hoping that it would go away. And I should say again that this was, like, a very, very busy temple. There was probably 85 people surrounding me. And then... It hit me like a ton of bricks. I was going to shit. And I was going to shit now. Like, not in the future. Like, not, oh, God, I need to run to a bathroom. Even if it was that, that wouldn't have mattered. There were no bathrooms anywhere. We're in the middle of a huge sacred temple in the middle of nowhere. There's nowhere to go. Like, I picture, like, bridesmaids. Like, it's happening. It's happening. It was happening. And I was like, oh, my God, I have 10 seconds before I explode like a volcano. And I, all I could think to do, because I was wearing cloth pants also, all I could think to do was stand like behind this medium sized rock. And I pulled down my pants and I pulled down my underwear and it just like exploded out of me. Like it just like, it was awful. It was disgusting. And I was just like naked from the waist down, crouching down like in this ancient temple with my hands over my eyes, kind of hoping that maybe if no one saw me, like if I couldn't see anyone, then maybe no one could see me. Like that's kind of what went through my head. Like a three-year-old. And so I like looked up and everyone saw me. There must've been about 60 or 70 people, obviously, because it was a fucking tourist attraction. Just eyes on me, frozen on me. There's like this Korean tour group with like a little flag, like in a horror. There's like a family shielding their children's eyes, like out of a fucking movie. There's like some white dude chuckling. Like it was the worst. And so I like picked some leaves up 
and dabbed myself off. (laughs) And then I like hiked up my pants and fucking took, took out, like I ran as fast as I can because um, I probably would have been arrested for defecating on what might've been the eighth wonder of the world. You are the reason (laughs) it is not the eighth wonder of the world. So I ran, 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 ran as far as I could out of there like just crying and like a maniac and I got to our car I was like you need to take me back to the the guest house right now and the dude was like uh no I brought five of you here I need to take five of you back (laughs) and I was like I will pay you literally whatever you want if you can take me back to the hotel right now he was like you're sick eh I was like ah (laughs) and he was like okay okay come so I like was like great thank you wait I need some sustenance so I like ran to this woman who was selling mangoes outside the temple and like I don't know like threw five dollars at her and that sounds nice i know (laughs) i'm just like what what do you want take whatever you want just give me some sugar and so she gave me a mango and i like scarfed it down and i got into the car and we're driving he was like so what you have stomach problems i was like yes he was like but but you're not eating like a mango with stomach problems are you and i was like yes and i like threw up all over his cab like just everywhere and he was like get out get out and so i opened the door and like rolled out into the dirt beside the street as i'm puking crying and i'm just like laying in dirt and my own puke after i had shit in front of 80 people in an ancient temple and so the man was so kind and like helped clean me off we got back into the car and we drove back to our guest house but it was cambodian independence day and we were stuck behind some parade, so what should have been an hour drive was like three hour, three hours of absolute hell, like bumping up and down, like me thinking that it was my last day on earth. Every time I hear the story, I forget how fucking amazing and dramatic it is. Like, yeah. that- so I get back to the guest house, like hide in my bed, and like Rob bursts in hours later, and he's, "Where the fuck have you been? You didn't tell me you left. You didn't know where you are." And I was like. I was like, I can't tell you what happened, but maybe soon I will be able to. And I, I think it took me literally two days to be able to tell anyone about it because I was just like full of shame and horror. And, and empty of poop. And empty of everything. <laughs> Tears, vomit. Tom. Yeah. Um, that was my harrowing Angkor Wat Is that the lowest point in your life? Uh, it must have been. <laughs> it must have been. Amazing. There's only one Physically, way to go. Yes. There's Physically, only one yes. way to go. Emotionally, we'll do. We'll get there next week. <laughs> yeah, right. Every episode we get darker and darker. Um, that was beautiful. Thank you. That was a treat. All that right. was a gift. Thank you for that story. Okay. The people need to know that they need to know the worst part of it. That's not the story that I was asking for. Oh my god. Uh, the fact that you have two the stories as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you started telling it, I was like, fair. This is also the story. What did you think the story was? The hockey team. Oh. Yeah. That's also the story and much more problematic. Yeah, that, that's Stay why. tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, on that note, we love you all. Check us out. So, sorry, like we went on a roller coaster ride today <laughs> and we need to maybe apologize for yes. that manic. There is there mania. I, I, I apologize. I... I screamed at one point, and you were like ugly crying at one point. Yeah, I was. There was, and tears. then we like joked about double-ended dildos and shitting in temples. Yeah. So it was a, it was an exp- it was maybe a little bit. Uh, it was perfectly, um, it perfectly captured us today. That's accurate. Um, catch us at the bar tonight. <laughs> doing the same. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 
more of the same. Screaming, crying, yeah. and shitting? Yes, I'll All be right. shitting on a stage. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I hope you're it's ready. the dildo went too far up. Yeah, it's out my mouth at this point. Oh. Anyway, oh my god. Um, also, all to say, this is my biggest problem about talking what I talked about today. Like, broad strokes, so much more to the story. You can never do justice to people who are that prolific and that iconic just by, like, a 10-minute thing. Thank you. Just need to put that out there. Thank you. Anyway, um, we love you all. This has been Do You Queer What I Queer. Please check out our Facebook, our Twitter, and Instagram. Find us on Patreon. Throw us a penny if you want. And if you don't want to, obviously, don't worry. Or just throw a penny at me on the street. Yep. I mean, you'd like that a bit more, probably. <laughs> um, I also want to say, like, one, we want to thank everyone that's listening. This has been, like, a banner week for us. Truly. Um, our listeners have increased by a lot, and we're really excited about that. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback, and we love you for that. And some of the feedback I've gotten is um, how much uh, our relationship is special. I keep hearing that, and too. And so I want to echo, I just want to say that that if you feel that way, then I feel that way for sure. Me too. So I'm happy to cap this birthday episode off with saying that I love you. I love you, too. Like a brother, and I'm so glad we have this project together. We're family, and that makes yeah. me so happy. And last, and last. that we can cry and laugh and scream at each other and is shit. very... And ram dildos it's very special it is special it's it's unique and last thing uh we're we're rambling at this point but we could not have done this without all of our guests without everyone who supported us we are here for the for the people that come on and that talk to us and if you are listening right now and burning to share something with us fucking let us know we are here for that reason um we're an ongoing process you're going to hear the same guests come back and we can't wait to keep doing what we're doing Oh, and if you've reached out to us already, we're, we'll, we'll have you. It just takes a bit of time to to shuffle things around and organize schedules. But we've heard, if you've reached out, we've heard you. You're coming. We promise we're just a little behind on our organization skills because Jesse's really dropped the ball. Jesse, basically. get it together. Fuck you, Jesse. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and on that note, we love you. Bye. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you next Tuesday. Cunts.